Welcome to Extraordinary People, a podcast series from UK Healthcare. The stories you'll hear are from patients who've overcome the most challenging moments of their lives, and our providers who've helped thousands of patients navigate those moments. My couch to my front door was like not even five steps. And I, I could, I could not like physically, I, physically, I could not get up and go, but I mustered the strength, I guess, um, to open the, to open the door. Cause my, my dad was on the phone with me to tell me to get up and go, just go open the door, you know? And, um, he was about to call 911 to just break in. He was like, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I want those people to just break in. Like, I don't care. Um, but I got enough strength to open the door. Um, I guess I fell a little bit. When I, when I opened the door, um, and uh, at that moment, my my band director was there and um, some of my friends, and they they were with me for a little bit. They wanted to see what I was, how it was, how it was functioning, and that's whenever my band director, band director said, "Okay, we need to go to the hospital again. We're gonna go to Good Samaritan." Ariel Nahara is a 25 year old PhD student in the University of Kentucky's music program. Like his father, Paul, Adiel is a distinguished trumpet player. He one day hopes to be a music professor. In April 2022, Adiel suffered a series of strokes. He was seen initially at UK Good Samaritan Hospital before he was rushed to UK Albert B. Chandler Hospital. The last thing I remember was my, um, I think my trumpet professor, he got um, a priest, a local priest, to come give me a blessing. I remember him giving me a blessing and then waking up or not waking up, but just the next thing I remember was tossing a little ball with the nurse, like for PT or whatever. And that was like April 14th. Adiel's parents, Paul and Johanna, and his brother, John Yale, flew from Texas to Lexington and were just able to see him before he went into surgery. My dad looked at the CT scan. And he's like, yeah, it looked like fireworks <laughs> in your brain. Uh, when it, what the what he saw, I had to have brain surgery. Um, that originally the doctors didn't want me to have brain surgery because they're like, he's if he goes, he's most likely going to pass away, um, based off the complications. But they they felt good enough at the moment to to make that happen. Doctor David Dornbos, a vascular neurosurgeon with the Kentucky Neuroscience Institute led the team that quickly worked to save Audiel. They first removed a portion of his skull at the base, near his cerebellum, to alleviate swelling and remove dead tissue. Here's Dr. Dornbos explaining Audiel's second procedure. And the second procedure we did for him was to prevent any secondary strokes. His artery was injured and was actually completely blocked from the injury. Um, like there's, so there's, there's not really a way to open it or like to stent it open just based on that particular artery. There is a risk since it's injured kind of down in the neck, you'll form just because there's no blood flow, you'll get a little blood clot that'll form above that. Um, just cause there's no blood flow. So the blood just sits there in pools and clots. So there is a risk that if the injury starts to open back up, which can happen as it heals, you could send that clot north and cause a bigger stroke. Um, so we actually took him for a procedure. That was a catheter procedure the second time around uh, where we actually, I put a plug into the artery down below to completely kill it off. So there's no chance it could ever open back up. He had what's called a dissection. 
Uh, so the artery develops a little tear in it, uh, and then when you have a tear inside an artery, the flow will start to pool behind the tear, and it'll cause the tear to kind of flip up and, and block the artery. But we don't really know what caused his. It's most commonly seen after a trauma, usually like a car accident or something mm -hmm. like that. It was well, pretty unusual, uh, but for like whenever a younger person comes in with a stroke, especially from like an occluded major artery like what he had, it's almost always actually a dissection, or it very commonly is due to like a dissection or a tear of that artery. Um, once he, once the thing is torn though, then, then the, like having multiple strokes in succession are pre is pretty common, but, uh, just cause that injury is, uh, it's, anytime, anytime you have an injury anywhere, you form a little kind of clot on that to try and start the body's process of starting to heal it. Uh, but the problem is obviously on the inside of an artery, if it, if that clot starts moving, it causes other secondary problems. Well, at some point, he and I are going to go have a few drinks. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be able to tell us when to stop because he knows what the brain is doing. <laughs> and then we're going to go pause that. <laughs> Paul Nahara, Audio's father, was impressed by the bedside manner demonstrated by Dr. Dornbos and other UK healthcare providers. <laughs> but Dr. Dornbos is my new hero. I mean, he's he he tolerated me and, and was very... Uh, I mean, to say gracious is an insult, you know. Initially, the last phone call we got before we left Texas was, if he has to go into surgery, he's not going to make it. You know, we got to see him. We got to get there before the surgery. And the uh, trumpet teacher had got us a priest, which was important to us. And it was a priest. I did go to mass every day there at the at the Catholic chapel on campus. So he knew him. I mean, not knew him, but I mean, he you know he'd seen him and stuff. And so that was nice. The first thing it was a three hour surgery, longest three hours of my life, because um, they were pretty blunt with us about it. But we were happy to see him before, not happy to let go. <laughs> but you know, the first thing I asked him was. Before we go into this room, because he came down, and, you know, all the, the screen, all it says is complete. It doesn't say anything else. And that I understand you don't want to just publicize anything out there. But before I went in that room, I said, before we go in there, y'all go in there. And I said, is my son alive? Because <laughs> I'm not ready to deal with that, but at least I got to get mom ready for that. <laughs> and he said, yes. Okay, now we can go in there. Johanna Nahara, Adiel's mother, was equally impressed with Dr. Dornbos. He was so caring, yet so professional, yet so approachable and kind. And it made the world of difference to us, uh, the confidence that we knew that he truly cared. It wasn't just a job. It wasn't something that he had just trained for, but he cared for our son. And uh, that he was going to do everything he could, you know, to get him where he needed to be. And he truly saved our son's life. I mean, his hands, his knowledge, his his caring just saved him. And we're forever grateful. You okay? Just tell finger C. Time finger a low E. This time finger a low D. 
Good. Good kick. Great. Adiel, his father and brother, attended a music competition in Delaware less than a week before he was hospitalized. Adiel recalled not feeling well upon returning home and stayed in touch with his family in the days that followed. Johanna encouraged him to visit an internal medicine physician at UK, and he made an appointment. After suffering chest pains while driving a couple days later, he went to the ER, but was released after his test came back clear. Additional tests were ordered during a follow-up appointment with internal medicine and indicated no signs of a stroke or any other life-threatening condition. And everybody keeps asking me, am I flying back and forth to work? You know, how are you holding up? And I'm telling you, it is because of the care that he has received since day one. We have not had to worry about anything, information. I have never, not that we've experienced this before, but I have never even heard of people that have experienced things like this, that they have honestly received the medical care that Adiet has received. And I'm talking from communication, how the appointments have been taken care of for him seamlessly. I have watched, you know, the doctors truly work together in true collaboration. It's been mind-blowing, and nobody ever wants this to happen, but we believe that God had him in the right place at the right time, and if, if it happened, it happened at UK, and we're so grateful. Sorry, but you don't even you don't even use your, need to use your tongue. Let's give that a try. Cool. What you are hearing are excerpts from when Audiel's brother John Yale helped him relearn to play the trumpet in June. Faith, family, and music are the pillars of Adiel's life. While he was rehabbing at Cardinal Hill, a music therapist came to visit once. It was his most memorable day in the hospital. When it, when it comes to music, when I was in, my, uh, in the rehab hospital, that was the one thing I wish I had more of, music, music therapy. But when I did have that one session, there were no words that could explain how, how just great it was to listen again. Because my parents and my family thought that whenever this happened, I might never play again. And so just for myself, just listening, having a session to listen to music was, it shows the true impact of uh, musicianship in general, and it doesn't have to be an instrument. It can be someone, a physical instrument. It can be someone singing in a band or whatever it is. So that was great. Um, when it comes to my playing, my, when, my, when my doctors clear me um, to play, because they, they want to make sure everything was okay, I'll do the walking again, I'll do this, whatever. I don't mind learning that over and again, but because of my skill at my age. Uh, I was definitely not the best in the whole world, but I was very talented. And so when I first got back on, and, and even now, it's, it's, 
it's, it's difficult to know that, at least right now, I'm not at the same place or stage uh, as I was before. Um, I can't tell the future. I know it's going to take time to, to get back to that place. They both drank Kool-Aid. They both fell in love with it and, you know, doing it at a higher level than quicker than what I did. And that was a lot of that was intentionally planned because, of course, you always want better for your kids. Uh, you know, growing up, I was we were poor. It was nine of us. And so didn't have a power lesson in my life. It was a power lesson or eat. <laughs> so, you know, I wanted better for my kids and I was able to provide that. We were able to provide that, and we did. And so they got a lot of advancement pretty quickly. And then, um, you know, I had them playing in church when they were in seventh grade with me every week. So they had that performance experience. Uh, be it, you know, I rewrote a lot of music for them to make it easier, but just for them to be successful at it initially. But then they started taking off. His spirits are good, but, he, you know, he gets sad. Um, he said, you know, well, I had to because, my right hand on those fast pieces is just not where it used to be. And immediately he says, but mama, he said, it's not that I'm giving up on that hand. He said, it's just to keep up and not to let everyone else down. He said, I, I used the left hand. So when you ask, is Adiel still the same? Adiel, I remember, you know, yes, because always putting everybody else first <laughs> and worrying about, like I said, I first thing he says, well, I didn't want to use, I didn't want to let everybody down. That's always just, that's who he has always been. And, and when all of this happened, being away and not knowing the faculty or his friends like we did, like for his undergrad, um, even got to know some of his friends during when he was doing his master's. But here we had not had that opportunity to see that that is the idea that they had always known since day one is how he helped everybody all the time and always was thinking of others. Knowing that we still have that son is a blessing. Every time he plays trumpet, he's kind of doing his own occupational therapy. I mean, he's, he's, he is teaching his fingers that fine those fine motor skills again he's kind of he's teaching himself as he's kind of working through it and it's that's something that no occupational therapist at his level no occupational therapist is going to actually right. be able to teach him how to do that's just something he's going to have to kind of work back through and, and is working back through but yeah having those fine motor skills beforehand and being so healthy beforehand both those things are going to help him in his recovery process because it's you're the two two of the bigger indicators in a stroke in terms of how you do. A lot of it is your pre-stroke abilities and your pre-stroke health. And then also just getting, his is a little bit different, but usually like the, the better and quicker that you can get the artery back open is the second big thing. All right, we good? Yeah. Everyone ready? About yeah. to happen. First no, you ready, Baba? You ready, Lada? Yeah, let's do it, baby. This is Here we go. This is match four and four. First okay? no. It's going to be beautiful. Just match fours and fours. I might change notes. I might not. Stay with me, right? Just a G. I get point zero 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 one percent better one day.
I'm good. Knowing the next day, if I grow the same amount, I'm good. It might take me, I'm 25, it might take me 20 years to fully come back. Whether or not I like that timeline, it's not, it's not my choice. But music has definitely been something I can always go back on. It's definitely helped me with the process of just like, just everything, just from re learning the instrument to music in general. I mean, there was, a, like I said, there was a point where I, my, my family didn't think I was going to be able to play again. But now I can play again. And I just, I just have to be, I have to be, I'm blessed just to be, have the opportunity again. Because I know there's a lot of people out there that don't even have the opportunity again. So even though I'm not fully back and whether or not I like it or not, I have to understand I'm able to do something still and still make an impact, hopefully. And what I try to focus on when I'm playing, if I don't, I don't focus on if it's one person in the audience or it's a, a thousand people in the audience. All I care about is if I, if I move, or if I, if I move someone to enjoy the music, to improve their lives, just one person, even out of a thousand, I've done my job correctly. Adiel is on pace to graduate with a doctorate of musical arts and trumpet performance in spring 2024. In September 2022, less than six months after his surgery, Adiel completed the last of his therapy programs and performed in a recital for the first time since he was hospitalized. My father said, if you only have to take just like one or two pills for the rest of your life, I, I think you came out pretty good. <laughs> like, I think you came out pretty good, so... This episode of Extraordinary People was brought to you by the UK Healthcare Brand Strategy Team. If you were a patient at UK Healthcare and would like to share your story, please visit ukhealthcare.com stories. We would love to help you tell it. Thank you for listening.